I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. For those of you who are listening to the show for the first time, hi, welcome. This is the podcast where I talk to fellow actors about uh, their audition stories, funny ones, sad ones, uh, hopeful ones, and everything in between. Last week, I had said um, that if you were creating things and you had put them out into the world to send them to me because I wanted to see them. And I'm so excited that I actually got sent some stuff. And uh, I'm just, I'm just really proud that we're creating a community of people who are lifting each other up. I think that's so important, especially in an industry where you hear the word no so much. It can get daunting and it can get frustrating as hell. So I'm really excited that um, that we're building this community together. So thank you to everyone who sent me stuff. And please continue to do so. I want to see what you're making. And I, I, I wish you luck in everything that you, you set out to make. Speaking of fantastic creators, today on the show, we have Jeremy Valdez. You know him best from The Bold and the Beautiful, Badass 2 Badasses, La Mission, a thousand TV shows and films. He's been in so much. And he is also a producer, which is super exciting. I love talking to fellow actors who have gone into producing and started to make their own content and drive their career their own way. It is fantastic. 
and Jeremy is a joy. I was so happy to talk to him. So here's my conversation with Jeremy Valdez. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Hey, what's going on? Just hanging out. How are you doing? Make sure you tuck it back in. <laughs> I'm doing good. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh you we were talking before we started recording that you're you're mm-hmm. also in Los Angeles and how um how funny it is that every time you try to speak during an audition or an interview, oh. it's just gardeners going off. Constant leaf blowers in the front yard of my house. Constant, <laughs> anytime. Um, <laughs> yes, in this whole like self-tape era now, because I've been doing this for a long time. And mm. I mean, we never had to self-tape before. And the whole self-tape era now, it's like, every time I go to do a self-tape, Either a helicopter decides it's going to hover over my house or the fire department decides that there's a, you know, something worth pursuing on my street or the gardeners are like, yeah, let's mow every lawn in a three block radius. It's so true. It's just, it's so noisy here all the time that it's like near impossible to get a clean take. I actually got one of those. I don't know if you've seen these, but it's like a lav that hooks up to your iPhone so yes. that the audio is a little clearer. So I, I have tried those. I just, it just sounds weird to me. Like, because your, your level is always so different than the level of the person reading you, or yeah. you can hear like, if you move and, and it kind of on your shirt yeah. or something, I don't know. It's just I know the the moving is is where it gets me. I have to like remind myself while I'm in the midst of a scene not to move too much so that the mic doesn't pick it up. Exactly. So you said you've been you've been doing this for a while. Tell me a little bit about how you got introduced to acting. When was it? How did you know? How did you get that bug? So I wanted to act ever since I was a kid. Just watching movies, watching TV shows, and I'd be. Um, when I was a little kid, I remember like watching TV and then acting along. Like if it was a World War II movie, I'd be like <laughs> acting along to it in my in my living room or you know like a Godzilla movie. Those are just things I remember when I was like a little kid doing those. And then I went to the University of Arizona. I studied finance and oh, I wow. took um, a theater appreciation class. Ooh. And um, and I was just like, oh. This is really what I wanted to do. And I started playing music um, when I was like in the orchestra in, when I was in third grade, mm. fourth grade. And um, and then I played music my entire life. I played the violin and then I started playing the guitar oh, wow. and I played in bands and competitions and orchestras and all this stuff. And I loved just being on stage and performing. And um, But the funny thing is, is that I never wanted to tell people I wanted to be an actor because I was afraid people would make fun of me and be like, what yeah. are you crazy? So after college, I was living in Phoenix and um, and I just said, you know what? I'm going to move to LA and be an actor. And um, wow. you know, some people were like, yeah, man, go do it. That's cool. And some people were like, you're too brown. You're too short. You're not good looking mm-hmm. enough. You're not this. You're not everybody. You know, a lot of people have opinions. And at yeah. the end of the day, I just followed my own opinion and and came out here and did it. And that's really, and I, I came out here not knowing a single person. I got a little apartment right at the bottom of Runyon Canyon on the corner of Fuller and Franklin. Yeah. And literally had no like furniture, no electricity. And I just sat there and I was like, holy crap, what do I do mm. now? And um, I just, it's a weird story. I'll, 
try and say it as quickly as possible, but I um, started going to music school here right when I got here and ended up bumping into this girl that I went to college with. And she was in this girl group, kind of like the Spice Girls that are blowing what? up at the time. Yeah. And she's like, Jeremy, you want to go to this industry party with, with us this weekend? I was like, cool. And I met their manager, a guy by the name of Scott Carlson. And literally I'd been here like a month. And, and he said, he's like, dude, what are you here for? I'm like, um, I want to act. He's like, well, what are you doing about it? I'm like, nothing really, man. I'm like, <laughs> I don't really know how to get into acting. I just came here and said, I want to be an actor. And we ended up chopping it up all night. At the end of the night, he's like, he's like, um, why don't you come to my office on Monday and let's have a talk? I'm like, wow. all right, I don't know what this dude wants. And he ended up being like a really big time manager. And he managed some like big, big actors, big bands, uh, worked wow. for a management company. And he's like, look, dude, I got to his office. He's like, look, dude, here's the, here's the truth. You are like at the very start of this, you have no credits. You don't, you know, you've never acted before, but I like you and I like your look. I think you're going to work. You have no career to manage, so I can't manage you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get you an agent. I'm going to get you in acting classes and I'm going to get you headshots. And I'm like, what? what? Why? And he's like, because I like you, because you seem like a good guy and, and I think you'll work in this business. Mm. And he did. He called up like a couple different agencies and got me meetings with them. And he got me a commercial agent. He got me a theatrical agent. And he put me in an acting class and he called up a photographer who shot my first headshots. And he, he's like, all right, dude, go have fun. Wow. That, that was it. And I kind of just started working right away. That was, was like your fairy godmother. Yeah, right? And like I said, his name's Scott Carlson. And people ask me all the time, like, dude, how do I get an agent? How do I get started in the business? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I have a weird story of how it happened. <laughs> Somebody was just looking out for me. And and that's how I got started doing this. That's that's so wild to me because it's just – it is a lot of people struggle to um, find that open door, right? To see right. how you can fit into this and, and how to get an agent. I mean, Lord knows I've been through several agents in my lifetime just because it's, it is hard – and a lot of people may not understand this outside of the industry, but an agent and a manager is a coworker, basically, right? You're building your career together. You're making decisions together. They need to be somebody that you connect with, somebody that you trust, really, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they hold the key to all of the rooms for you. And right. so you have and to have that trust and that, that relationship. And it's hard to find the person that you like enough to stick with for a long time. And I've had like three solid managers mm. in my career. Um, and, and then I've been with them for a long time. I've been doing this for like 18 years. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, my first manager passed away, unfortunately. And then I had a manager for like 10 years that mm -hmm. I did so much work with. Mm -hmm. And then I just hit this low point in my career. I'm like, I, just stuff's not popping. I'd done some really great work and starred in a couple of big movies that um, that opened at Sundance. Just had some really wow. great opportunities, and it just wasn't going to the next level. So I um, ended up leaving him and going to my current manager, who is just a freaking rock star. Wow. And, uh, his name's Ryan Olson. He's at Zero Gravity. 
which is an incredible company. Yeah. And, um, it, but I've been through a bunch of other agents too. And people are always like, oh, I want to be with William Morris. I want to be with ICM. I want to be a CAA. But you just don't cool. know. Yeah. And I was, I've been, I mean, I was with William Morris ever and, and stuff like that. And I've been with nobody agents too. And I've, and I've had like great mid-level agents. And now I'm with a great like boutique agency defining artists who they get me and they pay attention to me mm-hmm. and they hustle for me and they believe in me. And that's the number one thing. Like mm-hmm. you can be at William Morris or CIA and they can just be like, mm, whatever, and, and not really working for you. Right. Or you could be at, you know, a great boutique mid-level agency. Um, and I don't think mid-level is even the, is even a fair thing to say. Just, you know, they're not CIA or, or right. William Morris. They're not or, the well-known yeah. name. And right. sometimes that is better because they actually spend more time focusing on you, focusing on what rooms to get you into, what you can do as an actor, rather right. than if you're with one of those big agencies like the WMEs, CAAs, all that stuff, it's like you're kind of just another name on the roster because Unless most of their clients um, are getting offers. Right. Yeah. They're getting offers. They're they're funneling those rather than being used to pitching all the time. Exactly. And that's huge, especially for for actors like us, where it's like, yes, you've had this long career of working constantly, but we're not household names yet. So mm-hmm. there's not that a like that offer all the time. But right. let's go back to what to what you're doing or what you did to get where you are now because you got to LA, you met your fairy fairy godfather, <laughs> we'll call him. And um you you start working immediately or do you do you start yeah, how long I does it take until like, your first booking? Like a couple of weeks. I I booked like wow. my first like, commercial. And then I did a McDonald's commercial and then I was like and this is when you get like huge residuals, like my first residual from my oh, yeah. coat commercial, which is the first commercial I did was like $11,000. And I was like, oh, I called up my sweet. agent and I was like, I just got this check for $11,000. He's like, oh yeah, there's going to be a whole bunch more of them. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm like, are you serious? Commercials oh. used to be so good. <laughs> and and I did a ton of commercials and then I started doing, I mean, I was in my 20s and early, early 20s and um, and I was playing like, 15, 16 mm-hmm. old. So I started, I was on my first gig that I booked was a guest star on a, a Nickelodeon show called the brothers Garcia. And I remember that. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, Whoa, I didn't even know what I was doing. I remember like, <laughs> the first day on set, they're telling me all this stuff. And I'm just like, I've just been in acting class. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> my heart's like pounding so hard. And they're like, all right, we're going to do, we're going to block out this scene. I'm like, we're gonna do like, all right, Jeremy, come over here. And and I was like, okay. And I just baked it. And and literally they're like, all right, we're gonna go and shoot. And I'm like, my heart's pounding. I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm like, and all the you know, cameras are there and and um and I'm they're like ready. And, and in my mind, I'm like, here we go. I don't know what I'm doing. They're like, action, <laughs> I just started the scene. And yeah. they're like, cut, great, let's do it again. And I was like, that's it. I just did it. <laughs> I just did it. <laughs> and I did it again. And then I was like, boom, I got this. Mm. And so, yeah. And then I just started working. I did, I was on a show called That's So Raven. I was on a show called Drake and Josh for a, a while. A show called That's So Raven. Like we didn't yeah. all grow up with the iconic I, well, see, That's I So Raven. Really, I was like older than them. Right. But I was still playing that same age. I love it. And um, 
it's funny. I still get people reaching out to me from those shows like, Hey, you're Ricky Rodriguez from that. So rave. I'm like, Mm-hmm. yeah that's a long time yeah cool they're like well, i still watch it because it's on it's on like all the streaming sites now well and all of those shows like the the old nickelodeon and disney shows were so iconic i was on victorious for like their special that they did and the amount i was very evil and mean on it so the amount of hate messages i still get <laughs> saying i hated you so much on this it's so funny to me because those shows are like I feel like they don't create shows on those networks like they used to. Like those shows seem so iconic and the ones that are on now, maybe it's just because, you know, there hasn't been any time that's passed, but I feel like the ones that are now now just aren't, they're just not as that, as, as cool as they used to be or something. I don't know. But personally, I mean, I grew up with that. So Raven, I loved that show. I thought that was so cool. (laughs) Yeah. People loved it. It, it was just so does she fun. Have a show now? Doesn't Raven have a show now? Um, well, they did. I think they they do Raven's Home. I think yeah. they brought back. They did like a spinoff of it. Yeah. But it's so, okay. You're doing all of these guest stars and all that kind of stuff. When's like the first moment that you book something that's like to you is 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 the biggest thing you've done? What was what was that moment for you? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if there's like a biggest thing I've done really. I've I've just uh, I've gotten to book some really cool things and be in some really great films. Um, being a Latin actor, I have been in um, a couple really seminal like Chicano films. Mm. Like I was in Walkout that Edward James almost directed, and um, and I got to you know with some really really good up and coming Latin talent at that time. You know, mm. I started opposite Michael Pena and. Wow. Uh, Jesse Garcia and Walter Perez and JJ Sorrent. No, was JJ? No, JJ wasn't it. But you know, some really great up and coming guys at that time mm-hmm. who are now blowing up or or have blown up. And um, and then I did a movie called La Mission with Benjamin Bratt that we premiered at Sundance. And, wow. And it got me in into some incredible rooms and opened some crazy doors for me. And those Two, those two films have, are kind of in the the Chicano cinema canon now. And wow. people hit me up about that stuff all the time. They show walkout. They still show walkout in high schools all around the country. And um, I don't, and yeah, I just, I feel like every project I book is a new adventure and mm-hmm. something cool to be looking forward to. Or I learn things from everything I do and, and I get to meet excellent people and work with really interesting people. Now I've been, I mean, I've been on a daytime show now for like a little over three years and doing the bold and the beautiful and, and then doing projects when, when, you know, I'm not doing that Mm -hmm. and loving that experience. I have, I have a really cool family there and um, it's some of the hardest work I've ever done because Mm -hmm. of the workload. And, um, but everybody supports each other. And I learned so much about being professional, showing up prepared, hitting your marks and, and getting your job done. Yeah. I always, I, I always call soap opera um, acting boot camp because that's what it really is. It's boot camp for actors. Like it, you're it doing is. so much every day, show up, get it done, show up the next day with five more scripts. 
Yeah. And if you can't, if you can't hack it, then they're like, all right, deuces, get out of here. See ya. Thanks for coming. Mm-hmm. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. It's it's interesting though, the the um the movies that you brought up in the in, that you said were in the like the Chicano um vault now. I mean mm-hmm. it must be it must feel like really cool to be a part of something so large within a culture. Oh yeah, just you know, just historically, some films that people feel are important that I think are important, but you know, people in in the in the Latinx community think is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I think that's what's really cool about being an artist, right? Is like being able to reach out to different communities and actually make some sort of a difference in their life or how they view something. hundred mm-hmm. percent. That's so dope. I love that. But you're on, you're on Bold and the Beautiful now and you said you've been doing some other stuff and I was looking at your IMDb and um, what is this movie, Badass 2, that you did with Danny Trejo? Can we talk about Danny Trejo? Badass 2 with, with Danny Glover and Danny Trejo. Um, That's a few years ago. And I play like his adopted son. Yes. And I had so much fun with him. And he's, I didn't know what to expect working with Danny. Uh, I had met him before and he was always, you know, cordial with me and nice with me. And then, but he's kind of intimidating. Totally. Right? Totally. And then when I got on set, he was just the nicest, kindest, sweetest dude I've ever worked with. Like he, he's, um, you know, he was engaging. Mm. He asked questions. He wanted to be collaborative. He wanted to have fun. Um, he was really just, he was just a kind guy. 
Um, mm. and my, my wife came to visit one day on set and he was just like, uh, my wife's name's Kelly. And he's like, oh, Kelly, let me get you a chair. What can I do for you? you oh. know, hey, could somebody please get Kelly some headphones? Are you comfortable? He'd walk over and check on her. Can, do you understand what's going on in the scene? Blah, blah, just like stuff like that. And he didn't have oh to do gosh. that stuff. And he's just a really, really good guy. So hopefully I get to work with him again. That's so amazing. I love hearing stories like that from, you know, people that are, I mean, he's, he's an icon to me. I think Danny Trejo is an icon for sure. And so it's so nice to hear those stories. I've heard that he's an amazing guy and, um, it's just, it's so cool to, to know that somebody who has that much influence and that much power and has been such a, an icon for so many people is, is really just like a good hearted man. It's just, it's so nice to know that. And meeting people like that, because I have worked with people too that I'm not going to say anybody's names, but people that weren't nice, people that yeah. weren't generous, people that weren't um, kind on set, um, stars, you mm-hmm. know, that acted that way. And, you know, but then I've worked with guys like Danny, Eddie Olmos, you know, guys like this that are Jesse Borrego, guys that are just such nice caring, wonderful, kind, giving actors, right? And um, I just blinked on his name. I worked on the show. I worked on um, NCIS. What's his name? Mark Harmon. Oh my gosh, Mark Harmon. Oh my God. Just the nicest dude on the planet. The guy, you know, the guy could be, the guy could, you know, he's the star of one of the, one of the biggest shows ever on television. Yeah. And and he's just like checking in with me going, hey, Jeremy, you cool? You, do you need anything? I'm going to go get some coffee. You want something? And I'm like, huh? Dude, no. You're like the man. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, man, will you come over here and run some lines with me? Because I got a bunch of lines and I just want to feel comfortable with this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll go run lines with you. But just people like that. And mm-hmm. it's, I talk to people about this. This is kind of going off course a little bit. But I talked, and this is really important to me, but I talk to people about this all the time. Like, you can be as talented as you want, as, as the most talented person in the room. But at the end of the day, if you're not cool, if you're not kind, generous, and, and just nice to people, nobody's going to want to work with you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. You know, people want to work with people that, because making a television show or making a, a movie is a, is a day in, day out process. And you're making a movie, you're not only there for however long it takes to make the movie, one, two, three months, whatever it is, but then you're there with those same people um, promoting the film, rolling it out, et cetera. And people just want to work with nice people that they enjoy being with. Yeah. And, um, so I, I tell people that I've worked with some young actors and and I've been like, look, man, just be nice to everybody. Mm-hmm. It, you know, be nice to people. Because it's, if you true. Are nice, it, it, it's a really small town and your reputation will get around. And mm-hmm. I will admit that there in the beginning of my career, like I wanted to be this like super serious lockdown actor and I didn't want to talk to people on set. I just wanted to go to my trailer and run my lines and stay in character and all this stuff. And that's great to be focused on your work and everything. But you also have to, it, uh, people read that as being cold, yeah. being not so nice. And that wasn't my intention at all. And then I realized like, wow, I can still be that serious actor who cares about the work, but I can also, I can also still, you know, 
be kind and nice and giving and caring and 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 be interested in other people on set. But yeah, I mean, that's that's something that I tell people all the time too is like you never you never know if a PA that you worked with 10 years ago is going to be directing a movie that you want to be in. 100%. So you have to be kind to everybody and it's it's so funny that you mentioned the trailer thing because a uh, a recent film that I I did before the pandemic um I found myself not being able to go to my trailer because I was just like, I want to be with people. Like, I just want to be around the action. I want to see the people. I want to connect with people. And I want to know what's going on. Even if I was just sitting there reading my book, I wasn't doing it in my trailer. I was doing it on set because I just wanted to be around them and be connected. And I think that's really important, especially in this industry that is known for, you know, oh, you know, this person, I know that person, we should hook up and make this together. Yeah. And I know, I know guys that are really good at that. I haven't been super good at that. Um, just uh, I, may, I have like maybe sometimes some social anxiety and stuff. So like going and, and talk, like talking to people that I don't know might make me nervous or something. So <laughs> I, I, that's something I've really had to work on is, yeah. is trying to make those connections and, and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, it's true though. I, I, I like that you're, you're preaching the kindness because it's, it's big in this industry, especially, especially because it's very stressful to be on on set sometimes and to make a film. It it can be incredibly stressful. And if everyone isn't, you know, being kind and nice to each other and forgiving of the process, then it's just going to turn into a hellscape. Right. It, it does. really is. And I've I've been involved in in that situation as well. Yeah. I think I think we've all and had It's not gratifying. It's not fun. No. Fulfilling. You're just like, when can I be done with this? Oh yeah. There's definitely those moments where you're sitting there going, Oh, okay. Can I go, can I go home yet? Cause I don't want to, I don't like this vibe. I don't like this energy. Right. So on this show, we like to talk about auditions that have either gone wrong or funny ones or something <laughs> that you almost got that you really wanted that you didn't. Um, are there any, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are there any that you would like to share with us today? So the biggest one that stands out in my mind, this is the craziest thing probably that's ever happened to me. Oh, man. Uh, Audition-wise. So let's see. This is probably my first or I think it was my first pilot season. Mm. And uh, Aaron Spelling and E. Duke Vincent, who are these humongous producers, Mm -hmm. uh, they had this show called Bratz about these, you know, it's a military kind of family drama. And um, I auditioned for it. Ruben Cannon was casting it. And I go into his office and he's kind of notorious. Uh, he's a tough casting director. And um, he was tough with me in the room. And he's like, he's like, I'm going to tell you, Jeremy, if, uh, you know, if you keep doing this good, you'll probably book this role. I was like, really? Whoa. He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. So I did the audition process. I read like three times and I'm like, okay, you're going to test for it. And I went to the, um, the work session where they taped this work session that I did at Warner Brothers. And this was Warner Brothers at the time. And, um, and they're like, okay, you're going to test tomorrow. And I get to the, um, the lot and I walk and it's me. I don't know if you know Douglas Spain, but it's me and Douglas Spain are the two guys testing for it. 
he's done a million things. He's also a good buddy of mine. And uh, I already knew who he was because he was in this movie called Star Maps that I was like, oh, dude, that's a big movie. Mm. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm nervous. And I'd already done a bunch of auditions and the work session. And I walk in the room. I never tested it before. So I didn't know what this meant. I thought I was just going to mm. walk in the room and there's going to be two people in there. And it's literally a <laughs> room filled with people. And I'm just like, holy crap. And Aaron Spelling's sitting right in the front. Ooh. And all these like executives are sitting behind him. I'm talking, there's probably, I mean, it was a big office. It was probably like 30 people in there. Mm -hmm. And they were like shoulder to shoulder. And I'm just like, <sighs> and they, the cast director said, are you ready, Jeremy? And I'm like, yeah. And then he started reading and it all just left my brain. Oh. And I was, and then I could feel my hand shaking and then I could feel myself start to sweat. And then I started having an anxiety attack. Oh my gosh. Right there. And I was like, <sighs> I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, all right, let's start again. And I was like, oh, okay. And um, I had that fight or flight thing where it's like, okay, uh, run out of the room now, run out of the room. And I was like, and I started to like, I was going to go to the door and just run out. And I was like, no, don't do it inside of my, and this is all happening inside my head. And, um, and then he started and somehow I made it through the scene I th or the two scenes, whatever it was. And they're like, okay, thank you. And I like walk out of the room <sighs> and just run to my car. And I was like bawling. I was yeah. super choked up and I'm like, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. That was the worst thing I could have ever happened to me. I just completely Ugh. screwed it up and choked. And I get home and I call my manager and I like, I, I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. I'm like, I don't, I completely messed that up and I choked and I had an anxiety attack in there and I'm just spilling my guts to him. And I start crying. He's like, Jeremy, 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 you just keep saying Jeremy. I'm like, and I just kept going on. He goes, and he goes, are you done? I was like, yeah. He's like, they called me right after you left. You booked it. <gasps> They're like, you what? Booked it. They said they said it was not your finest hour, but uh, they had already seen you so many times, and they saw the second you walked in that you went immediate deer in the headlights, and you didn't know what you know that you were completely overwhelmed. And and I was like, but they had they loved you from the start, and and they really wanted you for this. Um, but, uh, that wow. you better bring your A game is what they said. And I was like, what? I booked it. And yeah. And so I ended up booking that and I got to oh go to, God. and then that next, that like a couple of days later, I got a phone call. It's like, Aaron Spelling wants you to come to his office. And oh my talk God. To him. I was like, what? And I walked in his office and it's just me and him. And, and like we played pinball on the, um, the love boat pinball machine in his <laughs> office. And he just like showed me stuff, uh, like like paintings that Tori did and, and his daughter, Tori Spelling. And it's just a surreal thing. And the show didn't get picked up. And everybody's uh, like, it didn't get picked up. It's E. Duke Vincent, e. Duke Vincent. It's Aaron Spelling. And then Aaron died like the next year. Oh, after he's no. like, I'm going to make you a big star, kid. Don't worry, you're set. And I'm like, oh, what? So that's probably the craziest audition experience I've had. Um that is that was shocking. I, that did not yeah. take the turn that I thought it was going to take. <laughs> it never. Uh, people are just like, "What?" And then you booked it. Uh, I, 
and there's been like there was another pilot a, a few pilot seasons later that that I literally kept going back and mm. back and back and reading with all these people and I read with like Kate Mara and um just all these girls that are huge stars now mm. um and girl, female actresses that went on to have their own series and stuff and I was the only guy there reading and then I just went back and back and I tested three different times there's oh probably like it was probably like 10 auditions and tests all together it was crazy they kept calling me back and back and then I got the heartbreaking call that yeah you're not gonna get it they're Ugh. they they think you look too young uh for the role and I'm like what all that and I felt crushed and defeated and then um like 30 minutes later my agent called and she's like you didn't get the pilot you're not and it went to series it was automatically going to series and um mm. you're not going to get it but Warner Brothers wants to offer you a holding deal for the year and they want to pay you a big old chunk of money and um and they're going to get you projects and I was like really what? yeah so it was really cool and I ended up doing a, a bunch of really cool stuff um that's amazing yeah John Levy was a casting director and he ended up putting oh, me on him. ER for a while mm. and um because that was at the end of ER so I got to do ER and and I got to do like Constantine Warner Brothers movie with Keanu Reeves and I, it just yeah. it's, you just never know like what's gonna happen and, and it yeah. was heartbreaking and um but it's always it's always just different like I am not a put myself on tape guy Mm. it's I it's been harder for me since that's come to be the standard now because I love being in the room I love interacting with these people when I get in there mm -hmm. I love for them to feel my energy I love for them to um direct me I like to you know yeah. um try different things and be free and people are like well I love self-tapes because I don't have to get nervous I'm like if you're, I mean, I, I guess like butterflies before you go in there is okay, but I, I just, it, for me, that's uh, my time to act. Yeah. It's the time to actually be able to do what you want to do. And take chances and be mm -hmm. bold and be fearless in that room. And yeah, you can do that on, on self tapes, but I just, I don't think there's any substitution for feeling people's energy. No, there's not. And and it's true. It's like, I, I have a story that I like to tell because it's based on the room. If I hadn't been in the room, if it had been a self tape, I probably wouldn't have gotten it. It was for a role that was like a big, like, like a Phoebe Buffet and like friends, like just kind of out there, not really grounded in reality. And I thought, well, I am, you know, a pretty sarcastic person. If I go in there being myself, there's no way I'm going to book this role. So I went in there as the character mm. and after, you know, a few auditions, I ended up booking it, but it was because it was in the room. I was able to connect with the casting director, talk with them, be that person. And it was amazing. And I think that's right. like one of the things that, you know, is, is the hardest part about self-taping is like having you can't really convey your energy over a self tape in a slate. Like you can't do it in ten seconds. It doesn't right. work. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I'm learning or that I have learned so far about self taping is 
um, you really have, your tape has to stand out. Yeah. You really have to take chances. You really have to go for it because if it's status quo, they're just going to click to the next tape. And um, right now I think like the relationships that I've made over all these years with casting directors is, is paying off because they, they know my work and, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they know what they see on, on tape or what I'm capable of doing. But um, yeah, it's just a different beast. And mm-hmm. I prefer to be in the room, but obviously it looks like that's not going to be happening as in the near future or as much in the near future. It looks like it probably will just end up staying being self-taping. And it's so, it's so disappointing it to me. Going into rooms. Yeah. It's just, it's, it is just, it's a different vibe. It's a different energy. It's also like, you know, as I've directed a couple films and having, you know, that chance to meet the actor in person mm-hmm. is huge because you can Zoom with anybody and like you can have that like fake experience basically. But if you're with them in the room, you can really see how you can meld together, how it's going to fit together, how they act, how they are even in those like little off moments. Yep. And I feel like that's just not, it's not possible over this, over this experience of just being on computers all the time. I agree with you. I hope but it goes back to normal. It's the, new, it's the new, it's the new normal though. I think it is the new normal. And I think that's what we're dealing with. And the good thing about that is that if you don't want to be in Los Angeles, you can move wherever you want to move. Right. That's true. That's true. You could be off in Arizona recording something. Yeah, uh, or wherever it is. I have friends, like a bunch of my friends have moved to Austin, San Antonio, Mm -hmm. um, Chicago, Phoenix, um, uh, all over. So people over the past year have just been like, dude, if I don't have to be here, deuces, I'm out. Yeah, it's true. Well, I have so enjoyed talking to you. Where can people follow you on social media to keep up with all of your all of your shenanigans? On Instagram, it's at Jeremy Ray Valdez. Um, yeah, I'm on Facebook. I don't really do much on Facebook, but I have like a thing there. And then on Twitter, it's at Jeremy Ray Valdez. And pretty much Instagram is where is where That's I where interact with people. Yeah, people hit me <laughs> up. I hit, them, I hit them up back, or you know, I like I like chopping it up with people on there. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was course, so, so, so wonderful to talk me. to you. Oh, it was so great talking to you too. I really appreciate you. Have a wonderful day and good luck to everybody that's out there. Thanks again to Jeremy for coming on the show and spending some time with me. Super, super fantastic guy. What a, what a cool dude with such a kind heart. I love meeting people in this industry that are so authentically themselves. And Jeremy is certainly one of those people. So thank you, Jeremy. Tune in next week. I have soap opera royalty on the show next week, and I'm pretty freaking excited about it. So tune in next Thursday. Until then, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. Leave us some love as well on that platform, wherever it is that you're, you're streaming this. If you want some exclusive video clips from the interview, go to our Instagram. That link is in the show notes. We post really fun IGTVs every week from these interviews. So make sure to check that out. Tell your friends, tell your family, and as always, thanks for coming in.
Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.